This scripture reading and the following address were part of the YouTube streamed worship service from St Paul's Lutheran Church, Box Hill, Victoria, Australia on February 26, 2023. For more information, visit www.stpaulsboxhill.org.au In righteousness, O Lord, you have rescued me Today, the first Sunday in Lent is written in the Gospel according to St Matthew chapter 4. Glory to you, O Lord. And this will be the text for the sermon this morning, especially the first temptation of our Lord. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God... Command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written, He will command his angels concerning you, and... On their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendour. And he said to him, All these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan. For it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father, sanctify us in the truth. For your word is truth. Amen. Please be seated. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, it's a privilege to serve you with the Word of God today, the living Word of God, alongside the other responsibilities I seem to have picked up now that I'm retired. Uh, so let's focus on a few things uh, about the extraordinary event described in the Gospel we've just heard, the 40-day temptation of Jesus, um, beginning with its context. So the context. Immediately before this, we hear of Jesus' baptism culminating in the voice from heaven declaring to Jesus, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. God the Father himself affirming Jesus' identity, unique identity as the son of God, and his unqualified approval of uh, him and all that he's going to do. And the very next thing that happens after this magnificent baptism of our Lord and voice from heaven itself, what, do we, what happens? Well, we heard it in the text. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Or as can be equally translated, to be tested by the devil. 
Now, testing. Testing is really important, isn't it? Uh, if we are going to rely on something to do its job properly. Engineers test steel to see that it can bear the load that uh, is required of it, it's meant to carry. Educators test students with assignments and exams. Uh, and of course the public, we expect our doctors and our plumbers and our electricians, our accountants to have passed the necessary tests so that we can depend on them to do what, they, what they're supposed to do. Testing motivates thorough preparation, or at least it should, uh, if we are to face the tests uh, well prepared and adequately. And it develops the skill and confidence that we can actually do uh, and work under pressure, the pressure of being tested. So, the Spirit led Jesus to be tested. The Spirit led Jesus to be tested. And Jesus agreed, and he went. Notice too, of course, that Jesus was led into the desert, the wilderness, uh, to be tested, a place of huge, huge significance uh, in the history of God's people. What, after all, keeps us distant from God and his word more than busyness and distractions? What keeps us from spiritual growth more than comfort and ease, you know, the flesh pots of Egypt or of our pantries? There's no glamping in the biblical wilderness, no caravans with TV and the internet, no phones and earbuds, but long, silent hours on your own to think and to listen deeply. Now, fasting, of course, enables this too, exposing the needs and the nature of the body, our body, as it goes without, and brings, bringing to light all sorts of hidden values and priorities uh, as hunger sets in. Now, we know that when God liberated his people from slavery in Egypt and gave them his word and his will at Mount Sinai, he didn't take them straight to the promised land, but led them on 40 years of wilderness journey to learn to pay attention to his word, to hear it truly, and of course, to trust it, trust him in it deeply. And the great prophet Elijah, um, worn out and in despair, learnt eventually to put all his faith in God and his word by 40 days and 40 nights alone with the Lord. Now, people retreat today too. Sometimes people go on special retreats uh, to take time out, to detox and to perhaps reform in some way. Uh, a favourite author of mine, the Englishman Paul Kingsnorth, retreated from environmental activism, you know, the sort that changed itself to the railings. He retreated from that to reduce his carbon footprint as a self-sufficient farmer in the west of Ireland, way out uh, in the lonely, windswept edge of, the, of Ireland. And the cover of one of his books says this, the plan was to grow food, educate his children, plant trees for fuel. He wanted to be freer, to learn new things and live closer to nature. He wanted to escape and at the same time to belong. And as a writer, of course, he wanted to write about his experiences and what he learned. But God actually messed with his plans, uh, as the cover goes on to say. Instead, a growing sense of dislocation caused the tools he relied on daily as a writer, his words, his stories, to fail. And in his isolation, he was forced to confront this failure 
and indeed the nature of human words themselves. As you can read about, uh, if you like, in his book, Savage Gods. Savage Gods. So into the wilderness, Jesus went to be tested, alone and hungry. But he's not alone, is he? Because a voice is there. A voice as well, the voice of the tempter, the examiner, saying, well, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Now notice the if. The devil's method was always to question the truth of something and with great subtlety, sinister subtlety, so we might not even notice. Just as, of course, he slips the idea in the idea that a particular action should inevitably follow then, a wrong action dressed up as something perfectly good, as he did with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, we heard before. So with Jesus, if you really are the Son of God, with God's power to do anything, then do something useful and productive and provide some food for yourself to keep you going rather than starving to death out here in the desert. Why jeopardise your mission in that pointless way? Now, turning stones to bread is, of course, one of the great human enterprises. After they had sinned there in the Garden of Eden with abundant food simply to be plucked from the trees, God said to Adam, it's in Genesis 3, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you'll eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you and you'll eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Well, ever since then, turning stones to bread is what the sweat and toil of mining and agriculture, of industry and trade, are all about. All the way to our supermarkets and fridges. So surely it was okay for Jesus to do the same out there among the stones. Just turn some of them into bread, but do it through a shortcut. Using his divine power just to speed up the process a bit. An efficient shortcut to a very good end. Now here remember a vital truth and it's really important. Jesus could have given in. Jesus could have given in. He could have used his power to produce the bread he needed, as he did for the 5,000 later on. Uh, 5,000 men as well as more women and children. Jesus could have taken the shortcut to continue his mission in better physical condition. Logic would say that would be the sensible thing to do. And the pressure to do this was enormous. Was enormous. 40 whole days of fasting. I can't get past half a day. 40 days of fasting. He was famished, the text says. His belly probably distended like a starving person. Weakened also in his will. But here's the miracle. There is a miracle here, and that is that he did not give in. He did not do that. He did not use the power he has for himself. And indeed, he never, ever did. Had he done so, he would have made a subtle switch, 
a subtle switch with devastating consequences. And that is that he would have supplanted God the Father from his throne in heaven in favour of himself. And he would have no longer qualified to stand in for Adam and Eve and the rest of us as the one and only righteous person there's ever been. The new and the true Israel. Bearing our griefs and carrying our sorrows but without ever failing. Never letting the ends justify the means. The miracle is that Jesus does not do this but goes on suffering instead. Temptation and suffering go hand in hand. Suffering not just intense hunger out in the wilderness there but the immense pressure to use the power that he had to advantage himself. You know, he didn't even ever call himself the Son of God, even though that is what he was and what was declared by, from heaven by the Father. He ever only called himself the Son of Man. And the miracle is that he continued this struggle throughout his ministry, all the way through. The struggle didn't stop at the end of the 40-day testing. It continued all the way through. Eventually, with drops of blood there in Gethsemane, he prayed, Father, if you can take this cup from me, then please do. But not my will, but your will be done. No calling down legions of angels to, protect, to prevent his arrest, but voluntarily suffering the criminal injustice, the heartbreaking betrayal and the torturous crucifixion all the way to the end. Why? For an idea in his head? No, because he saw from the scriptures that the whole journey of Israel, and in fact all humanity, culminated in himself. He saw that. He perceived that. The, that he was the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. Because he took into his very soul the word of God expressed by Moses in Deuteronomy 8, at the when Moses was giving his final sermon to the people at the end of their 40 years, because he took that in himself, Jesus was ready to proclaim it. It is written uh, when needed. And this is what Moses said to the people. Remember the long way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness in order to humble you, testing you, to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments. He humbled you by letting you hunger, then feeding you with manna with which neither you nor your ancestors were acquainted in order to make you understand that one does not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Moses said that. And the word of God now on Jesus' lips were, was ready uh, to counter Satan with this deep, deep truth. And that word on Jesus' lips indeed performs miracles a loaf of bread can never do. It forgives sin. From Adam and Eve down to us today, it raises the dead. And it creates faith and new life for those who feed on Jesus. Not bread from stones, but bread from heaven. And praise God, in the last couple of years, that word of God performed a miracle for the author that I, uh, I've been following. In the isolation of his wilderness journey, stripped not just of the noise of the world's words around him, but of his own inner words as well, completely stripped of those, Paul Kingsnorth finally became receptive to it is written. 
to what's written. And by the power of the Holy Spirit in the Word of God, he became a Christian after he wrote, wrote that, this, book, this book. So he recently blogged. This has, this becoming a Christian, has, as it is designed to, reoriented my entire worldview. I'm able to see things now that I couldn't see before. And one of those things is that no society in hum human history, anywhere, has ever survived for any length of time without a religious core. I think that every culture has a throne at its heart on which sits its deity. We have dethroned the deity that built the West. That would be Christ. And you don't have to be a Christian to understand that a culture with an empty throne at its heart is headed for a spiritual crisis, which will echo up through every aspect of its everyday life. This is where we are. Well, whatever his diagnosis, the word of God still works miracles today through the gospel of Jesus in conversions like this one and like those in us when through the testing he permits we are confirmed in our faith or we come to see the idols that we've placed on the thrones of our hearts including the idol, of course, of rank materialism that imagines man does live by bread alone, when in fact we have our own being from the one holy being itself who breathes his spirit into us and we become a living being, uh, Genesis says, we become living beings too by the word and breath of God. All our hunger satisfied only when we commune with him the word of life and the bread of life. As Jesus says in the Beatitudes, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They, for they will be filled when of course they, we, come to know the righteous one. So God bless your wilderness journeys these days, wherever the spirit leads you, whatever suffering that involves, during Lent as well. And God keep you drawing uh, life from every word that comes from the mouth of God, including, of course, his forgiving grace for Jesus' sake, when, like Adam and Eve, you fall too, as we do. And until, of course, he speaks his final word of resurrection for us all. Praise God for that. So the peace of God that passes all understanding, including Satan's understanding, completely baffles him. Keep guard over your hearts and minds and keep them safe in Jesus Christ, our Lord. You rescued me. 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 You rescued me.